Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. The Rugby World Cup from The Times with Mark Suster. We'll be with you every week with the latest from the tournament, looking at the prospects for the home nations and the other big guns, of course, and reviewing all the action on and off the field. Find it at thetimes.co.uk or in iTunes. Welcome to The Game, the football podcast that never complains about playing twice in a week. Today I'm joined by Matt Hughes, Julian Lawrence, and Mr. Paddy Barkley. Later on we'll be debating the rights and wrongs of third-party ownership, but first let's get our teeth into the weekend's action, and let's start with the team that's top of the table. Manchester City, joint, of course, with uh, with United. Um, Paddy, I want to start with you. Yeah. I, you know, David Moyes, we know, makes things tough. Um, City had a lot of the ball, but just couldn't really do anything, despite the Nazri, the uh, the Silva, the Jeco, and uh, and the Aguero. Mm. It was a victory of uh, potential champions, no doubt about it, because these are the kind of tough games, such as Manchester United uh, had it had at Stoke, uh, where you do drop points. Um, and uh, they they just kept going, kept going. And the thing about Manchester City is there is so much class there. And the same applies to United. Same used to apply to Arsenal. There's so much class that if things are not going too well, a substitution is likely to do the trick. Um, and thus it proved. So, um, yeah, it was uh, at the moment, uh, I think that if you're champions of Manchester, you're champions of England. Uh Hughesy, when 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 you are playing against you know uh, a, a packed, very well organized defense, and you've got sort of the four skillful guys up front, uh, how do you penetrate? Because I kind of got the impression that you know with Nazri and Silva doing some of the same things that, that it was always going to be basically either like a moment of brilliance or or a defensive error, you know, for City to score. Could this actually be a situation where? this formation at home might actually be less effective? Uh, well, we wondered at the start of the season if Nasri and Silva could play in the same team and I think quite a few people have been surprised at how effective they have been because um, they're, they're kind of similar players, great on the ball, great touch, great movement and they're great when things are going for you and when they're going against you and you've got to work a bit harder off the ball and maybe you do need something different but I think Buddy's right, Man City will win Many games without playing great, just because the, the foul part, the fire part they've got, and they can they can change it. And if you see Nasri go off, Silva go off, as a defender, you may relax. 
after they can come on and score the winner. So they've got a pretty um, formidable combination of players. Of course, Julian, it took an Italian guy to come on and fix it. Um, uh, Super Mario. Hey. It's his second goal in two games, although one of them is in some obscure thing called the League Cup, uh, which I don't really know what that is. But um, is, is this something that, I mean, can, can Mario be the added value off the bench? Can he move ahead of, of Tevez? We'll get to Tevez in a minute, but he, he give, does he bring something different from Dzeko? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I think he's perfect coming off the bench, much better than I think when he's starting. Don't tell him that. No, no, like no, that. I won't. But, but you see, the, the, the thing with him is he's so talented, but still so young in his head as well. And he, in his approach of the game, that I think he will bring much more to the team coming off the bench like he did on Saturday, instead of starting and playing you know, the first 70 minutes or something, where I think be, because he, he, he can't stay focused for the whole game, and, and he, will, you know, he will drop his level. And, and just to, to, to follow Paddy and, and use it, I, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical actually about, about City. I think the, 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 the game they played at Tottenham was outstanding because they played two-touch football. Yeah, on Saturday against Everton, every single player with the ball had five, six, seven touches. And the problem is that Silva does it, Najri does it, Aguero does it, Yaya Toure does it. And I think at some point they'll struggle because in that team, sometimes they all want to be the one that's going to make things happen instead of playing together. And it's too much for me. At, at times, it's too individualist football than collective football. Are you saying they should look at Barcelona? Uh, I mean, Barcelona are the most unselfish football team exactly. you've ever seen in your life. And in Tottenham, they were they were very unselfish, all of them. And if you see it, yeah, they, were, they played like Barcelona. Exactly. And a lot of goals came from the wings. Najri sent two crosses for Jaco against Everton. Hardly anything came from the wings. Nothing at all because they all came in the middle, and Yaya Toure and Aguero and Najri and Silva were all there, and and it just didn't work. And if you see, they didn't create any chances, and the goal came from a deflected shot by by. by Tell you as well. I don't have to criticize Balotelli. No, you know, but what guy? You know. No, but I think they'll have to be careful because you know if they don't get it right as a team and and playing just simple football, they, they could struggle on games like like Everton. Um, hey, let's talk some Everton now. Hey, people here know about my uh, bromance with uh, with Davy Moyes. Mm. Um, <laughs> that said, you know when it comes to sort of negativity and defensiveness, if if certain managers who were less popular and less intelligent than David Moyes put out a team with Tim Cahill as their lone striker, um, I, at a time when, you know, I might add, I'm reading now from the newspaper, you've got Billy Letnitov and uh, Dennis Strakwalursi, hereafter to be referred to as Strak, on the bench, uh, and you've got, uh, you know, Velios and Saha, and Saha who are strikers, and, and, and Drente, who's sort of an attacking type, at least in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, this is kind of negative. I mean, I, I, I would have thought. I mean, do do we should we be blaming, or should we should or, or is Moyes is this just real politic from Moyes? And uh, now I'll just go out there and you know play for the point. Um, it goes beyond me. You're shaking your head. I, it goes, I, I really don't understand what David... I, you know, I don't mind him as a manager. If Avram Grant did this or Claudio Ranieri exactly. did this, right, would, would they not be crucified right now? Probably, yeah. And because he's Moyes and because he's done a good job before for Everton, you know, I'm not saying that well, he's still, always he's been like that. He's still doing a good job. He's still doing a good job with the... You know, he's got no money. He's club with no... You know, even now a penny. They can only take people on loan. But still, it goes beyond me. I don't understand how you can approach a football game with like almost 
11 defenders on you know or not far at least defensive midfielders and put Tim Cahill as a striker stroke offensive player mm. in that team it just goes I, I don't understand how you can play such negative football and have such a negative approach speaking of negative approaches what's up with your negative friend Louis Saha is that all water well, under the bridge? Well, it's for the, the, the very many um, English readers of Le Parisien. Yesterday, they saw a lovely uh, interview in my paper done by myself. <laughs> of Which Louis is why Sarah. I'm asking. Yeah. Um, no, he was, he was disappointed. The, the thing that disappointed the most is that he, he saw in the English press that they were saying that he refused to play for the reserve. That's why he was dropped. He was not refused to play for the reserve. He didn't refuse to play for the reserve. He was asked by Moyes if he was fit enough to play for the reserve. The thing is, he came back to training with the reserve on a Friday. They asked him to play for the reserve on the Monday with just one training behind him. And he said, listen, guys, I've just trained once since coming back from injury. I don't, I don't feel I'm fit enough. I think it, it would be a risk for me to play with the reserve. So I would rather not play that game, but maybe play later on. And apparently Moyes took it badly and then dropped him. But he didn't refuse. He just, he was asked and said, honestly, I, I, don't, think, I, I don't think I'm ready to play you could have been for France for Brazil for whoever he would have said the same I guess it was not a point to play for the reserves or not but that was it he doesn't you know he doesn't want to have a fight with, with Moyes that's not what he's saying he's just saying that he's going to work hard he's 33 so he wants to enjoy his football because he knows it's not going to last long and, and you know and, and he's out of contract at the end of the season so he doesn't want a problem with Moyes he would just be surprised not to be at least on the bench that's all uh, Senior Moyes and, and Cahill, a, mm. a lot of attention paid to the incident yes. uh, between Tim Cahill and, uh, and Vincent Company. I'm going to try to describe it as best I can. If I say something incorrect or libelous, please feel free to jump in. But basically, Tim Cahill is running around terrier-like uh, on the pitch, scything everything down the way he often does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes for a ball uh, with Company. Uh, to me, it looks like he's just going straight into the back of him uh, to foul him. Company, who knows he's coming, decides to be somewhat sneaky. Uh, basically you know lifts his leg and stamps on his uh on his ankle uh Hughesy, is that pretty much what happened that's the way i saw it yeah i mean it looked like fairly premeditated act from from company and you know des- des- deserve to be punished okay does kale deserve to be punished as well for running around like that or do, do we just take it as red that you know he's got commitment it's a, it's a fine line isn't it we saw it in the um in the Chelsea game with Torres was, he didn't make any contact but the intent was there and I think it's one of those laws that not many people actually understand if you can be um, penalised for in, intent or not so it's all down to the um, interpretation of the referee on the day really uh, let me tell you what I, I, what I think I think it's uh, I mean the, the law of the street is don't start something that you're not willing to finish and in my opinion Tim Cahill brought that on himself it was a terrible tackle um, and I you know I, I, I wouldn't be able to say 100% that company meant to do what he did I might be willing to say 90% that he did but if you can't say 100% uh, how can you uh, I, I honestly do believe that Tim Cahill's tackle under the law as it was uh, revised about 10 years ago about you know the so-called tackle from behind which in actual fact is usually the tackle from the side the tackle through the limb that was a classic case of it and could have been a red card company 
I don't know. But the point is, if Tim Cahill hadn't done it, he wouldn't have got it. And I don't have any sympathy for him whatsoever. Mm. Uh, Julian, you're nodding along. I'm assuming that you were kicked quite a bit in your playing days. <laughs> yeah, but it, this is so English, being entitled to. In exactly. France, in France, we never said that a player was entitled to almost break the leg of someone else to get to the ball. It, this just since I arrived here, I've, I've heard people saying, oh, he was entitled to, to, go, to go and try to get the, the laws ball. Of the game. Cahill could the have laws never of got the game that ball. here okay. are written by commentators, aren't they? <laughs> used to play football All right. and played by a different That's, you know convention it's, it, it's getting kind of fruity in the studio here between Patty and the, the cheese eating surrender monkey over there Hughesy you're a, you're a hard Yorkshireman can you please tell them both that they're wrong <laughs> uh, they can't both be wrong and I think probably on this instance I tend to side with Julian it's always thank you sort of slyly amused struck annoyed I don't, you know I don't really get really annoyed but it amuses me that um in England, we make more of a fuss about diving and simulation than we do about leg-breaking tackles. Which right, seems right. To be a sort of yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, Marcotti is playing at here. He's trying to <laughs> imply that we don't all completely agree. Hughesy, I couldn't agree more with what you've just said. I couldn't agree with what Julian said. So how come Marcotti's trying to make it sound Indeed. like a punch-up? It's more like a love-in. All right, uh, uh, let's move on from the summer of love here. Let's move on to Chelsea and Swansea. And I have to say, I, gotta, I, I have to start with, with another incident and another, you know, this time a, a, a red card. Um, Fernando Torres, I, I, I'm assuming we don't need to debate this. Yes, even though there was minimum con contact, that is always a straight red. Yes? Nobody wants to dispute that? Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay, now I would like somebody to give me some insight into what, what went through his mind. Now... Torres has, this is the first straight red of his career, at least as a professional. Um, he's gotten red cards before, but that was in Spain, before moving, uh, before coming to the Premier League. Uh, and it was always for, um, it was always for two yellows. And it's almost always actually because, you know, he was getting the bejesus kicked out of him. And, you know, he either re reacted or, or, uh, or, or actually twice was actually for diving. Now, how does somebody who's who's having a good game, who's clearly turned the corner, who played very well the week before against United, everything's going swimmingly. You're 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 in you're in midfield. You're by the touchline. You know you're up against somebody named Gower who's on the ball who you know is about to lose it, and you go in and you know it's, it's not dissing him, but you know realistically Chelsea were dominating that game. Yeah. You go in and you do something like this. You're quite you're quite right, Gabs. Everything you've just said will have gone through Torres's mind, and that's why he, he actually, if you look at it again. He kind of pulls out. There isn't actually great a great deal of contact. But thank why does he God, even start thank doing God that? The, the Swansea boy had to had to jump. But uh, it, 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 why does he start doing it? Because that's how you get points uh, in English football. You run around and you do what Gale did. You do what uh, Torres did. Right, that, that's you, not you, that, that's you, not that's you, not really true or fair. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to stick up for the show It's not really true or fair. I mean, you know, Ryan Giggs doesn't do that. He gets a lot of points in. English football, right? He doesn't go and, and plant two footed tackles in somebody's head. I'm saying it's one way of getting points. Right, but it's not the way Torres needs to get points when he's actually playing well. That's true. And it's not something he's done before. I mean, Hughes, you, you, you obviously know your Chelsea. Um, what gets me here in terms of the damage that could be done to Torres is Drogba comes on, scores a goal. I would assume that now, you know, obviously during those games when he's suspended, Drogba is going to play. What happens if Drogba goes on a scoring spree? 
Torres comes back, and or maybe Torres, you know, plays poorly in some of those Champions League games they have in between. Does, does Village Boas then have a huge problem? I think Villastor has got a lot of problems anyway, but uh, some of them are quite nice ones. He's got a lot of good players to try and fit into a starting eleven. With Torres, it's frustrating mainly for the player because he's just for the first time shown a few glimpses of what he can do. And my only explanation is that he was a bit a bit high on success, and the adrenaline got to him, and he just he just wanted wanted to show he was committed, wanted to show he was working hard as part of this team, and that he was fitting in for the first time. And he, he just had a bit of a Brain, brain meltdown. I don't think there's any way of explaining it in any other terms, really. And it, yeah. it's a shame for him. But they've, they've got, they've got Carling Cup games. They've got oh, week games. So I think, I think, I think, I think he'll get games in the meantime. I don't think he has to necessarily derail his season. It's been, it's I, been. I, I, don't, I think, I think Drobber would have to score two or three hat tricks to, to displace him because Bellasbos is clearly building a team around Torres and it's for the first time showed it could potentially work it's been a dramatic resurgence and I think that uh, that Torres in the, in the last two games has shown signs of being the player he was uh, three three years ago and and heavens if he carries on like this he might even be worth two thirds of the fee that they paid for him and that would be quite sensational so uh, I, I mean it, it, the thing is let's look at it He's, okay he misses three games but let's look at it in the long term it's going to be a long long season with a bit of luck uh, Chelsea will be in the Champions League when it gets serious uh, n- next year and uh, the, the way he's been playing in the last two matches um, it, 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 he could have a serious part to play on Chelsea, uh, for Chelsea then Drogba is about 150 years of age and although he's had a marvellous career uh, he's not going to be uh, I mean I'm surprised that Chelsea didn't didn't get rid uh, last summer I mean he's best I'm not. I'm not knocking Drogba at all, but uh, because he's, uh, in my opinion, he's the best English cent, English type centre forward. I think I've seen in the Premier League. Um, so I mean, I can't speak highly enough of him, of, of him as a player. But you can't argue with your birth certificate. The best English type centre forward in the Premier League. Do uh, I need to send Alan Shearer around to your yes, house? Yes, I would. I would. I would. Okay. I would put uh, Drogba ahead of Shearer. I yes. wouldn't. But um, not Shearer sure at his best anyway. Julian. Um, but does 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 Phyllis Boss pretty much need to build the team around um, Torres? Given that a the owner loves this man, and b Chelsea have tied up uh, over the life of his contract, you know, something well in excess of a hundred million pounds um, in in this guy, and, and Torres is twenty seven, and, and Drogba's thirty three. Is it as simple as that? I think it is. Uh, what I would like to see, I would love to see Villas Boas just changing a bit. For me, there's nothing new with him, and I'm a bit disappointed, to be fair, so far by him. Why don't he, don't he put um, doesn't he put Mata behind Torres? That well, would be I, awesome. I think, I'm assuming that's the next step, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, but I'm waiting. We, we, why, why waiting so long? Because that I mean? means dropping Frank Lampard, and yeah, he dropped. Dro- Lampard is rubbish. He's he's like 155 years. He's five years older than Drogba. <laughs> and and if you see the goal of Torres on Saturday, Mata is in the centre. He just puts. He knows exactly where Torres is, where he wants the ball. He gives it oh, perfect I, ball. What a lovely and, goal that was. Exactly, and Mata and Torres would be deadly in the Premier League, playing one behind the other. And I just know. I don't. I don't know why Villas Boas keeps playing that 4-3-3 that's like just not good enough I think for, for Chelsea Right, I, I think well, that's, that's what he's working towards in the second half Old Trafford Matt yeah. was in the middle and it was, it was so good I think, I, think we will, I think we will see that and it's the natural natural next step the problem they have is they haven't really got uh, 
natural sort of screening holding midfield players to play in the two four two three one, and they're having to sort of make do with Ramirez and Mikel and maybe Oof. Lampard doing it yeah and, um, well not, I mean Mikel's there's but, another there's another one how how when are they going to get rid <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a player who holds the game up like he does? I mean, he's he slows the game up more than Balak did. I know. Right. Okay. So, so you, you, you just, you, are saying Lampard's rubbish. You're dissing Balak. Um, um, I, I, I think Etienne's finished. But that's okay. Story. There we go. Yeah. Another one. Yeah, it's easy to pick on the guy now. He's injured. I don't know. I, I, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm not. I mean, I, I agree with with, with Matt. It's obvious that there, to me that, you know, he is thinking in terms of uh, of a four-two-three-one. Um, and and, and he kind of needs to do that too because he's got a billion strikers and then that way he opens up another spot on his forward line Um, I thought actually Anelka and and Mata uh, both played very very well coming inside behind the striker you know Anelka's a a clever guy he's got some other issues but you know he he gets I think the football Um, but But why don't you think Gab that he hasn't done it yet or is it just just in patches that he played that 4-2-3-1 is it just because like Matt said there's no proper defensive holding midfielders well, he, he or he's a bit scared or what, I mean, what is he waiting for Mata only signed at the end of August you know you're not gonna if you play 4-2-3-1 without, without Mata that means that you gotta play Maluda in that position <laughs> and, I, and I also think he wanted to you know he wants to treat the Lampard situation respectfully and Matt I, I, I wanna get you on this because obviously he didn't play uh, the, there were reports that that, uh, that Lampard uh, when he found out that Josh McEachern was gonna be the third substitute um, and not him he uh, he got annoyed and went down the tunnel I'm sure Chelsea put out a statement saying no he wasn't annoyed he said to go to the bathroom or something but it, it's pretty clear obviously if you play 4-2-3-1 if you have Mata behind Torres and, and, and two wingers you know Frank either moves and becomes part of the two or he sits on the bench um, I, how are you reading this? I think it's changing day by day and week by week in the summer on the, on the preseason tour Lampard gave an interview in which he said um, the day I can't get forward and score goals is the day I stop playing football um, I think that day has now come and he has to make a decision about whether he wants to still play and be a regular semi-regular to Chelsea or whether he, he's had enough um, I think he will take the mature eventually he'll take the sensible mature approach of thinking right I have to reinvent the way I play I have to play deeper I have to do the job that I've done for England for a few years under Capello it's not new for Lampard he played that way for Capello throughout the World Cup qualifiers did, did pretty well and played England. that way for West Ham when he was uh, an England under 21 I mean it, 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 I, I, I read that quote and, uh, that Hughes talked about with bewilderment because uh, Frank Lampard is perfectly capable of playing as a uh, as an all-round midfield player as a, uh, as a as a cautious midfield player as Hughesy says he did it for England very well when after Hargreaves uh, lost fitness um, it did a good job for, for the national team and 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 I mean he's intelligent enough to play till he's uh, 35 if but you know it might not be for Chelsea it might not be in the Champions League but uh, it would be a shame to lose him Julian you said he's rubbish can he do that or is he just rubbish when he plays that position or, or can, you, can you see him partnering Ramirez or, or Mikel or, or Mayrelish and 
in that uh, deeper it, position to play within that you know four two three one in that two we need something someone really really strong next to him someone like Makelele that Chelsea don't have at the moment Mikel's clearly stronger than Makelele <laughs> physically <laughs> no one but, plays that role like Makelele younger but do you know what I mean that, that would that would he would need someone like that to play alongside him otherwise I don't think he can play in that position I have to disagree with Matt and and Paddy, I, I don't know. For to, to, he looked, he looked, you know, well finished for me. I, I, I can't see him, you know, anywhere near his best. Anywhere, I think he's thirty-three. He's, he's good. He's, he's married or about to get married with a TV star. Well done. Make some babies. You know, enjoy your life. He's earned a lot of money already, and I, and I, I can't see him playing for a top top level club again. I don't think he's good enough. I think you're being incredibly harsh, but I, I, I think back to. Is something um, you know, Carlo Ancelotti said about the, the best footballing advice he's ever been given, which is mm. when you come towards the end of the career, the one thing that you should do is be sure that you're the person who decides when you retire and not have somebody else yeah. decide for you. There's also one thing I'd like to make clear that you can combine a football career, even at Champions League level, with making babies. Because you get uh, afternoons off, in fact, it's actually the perfect career for someone who wants to make babies. I just think you should focus a bit more on making babies than playing in the Champions League. <laughs> okay, this message brought to you by the uh, government <laughs> and their uh, concern over the falling birth rates. Um, uh, final point on, uh, on, on Swansea. Um, I, I was really looking forward to this. I hadn't seen them in person and you'd heard about the wing play and stuff. Um, they looked a lot worse in person uh, than, than they look they look on TV and I know but I mean I think it was just a bad day it was just a bad day at the office but I was intrigued by uh, by Nathan Dyer um, he's sort of like a Sean Wright Phillips who who can read the play and follow the ball and you know has is actually even though he's tiny he's actually physically uh, a little bit stronger mm, I, mm. anybody here impressed with the man yeah, or have very very much so a uh, Dyer and uh, Hoylett of Blackburn have been two players that have really caught my eye this season um, both very quick very lively um, and uh, certainly in the case of Dyer as you rightly identify very bright with the use of the ball um, the goalkeeper's having a rotten time at the moment, but that will come good. He's, uh, he's got a good good record um, in the uh, before coming to England. So, uh, yep, I uh, I back him to uh, finish not in the bottom three. Our debate this week uh, looks at third-party ownership. Now, uh, you might have heard the story. There's a column uh, in the paper by uh, by Matt Dickinson um, about. This uh, this new sort of I actually call it a, a fund, uh, a company uh, offshore based, uh, set up by uh, set up by Peter Kenyon, the former Manchester United and Chelsea chief executive, uh, which is basically a third party ownership scheme. Um, you go in there, you plunk down your two hundred fifty grand, and then the fund goes and and buys buys players, or I guess they buy the the, the economic rights of the players, although. The term economic rights no longer exists, according to FIFA. So that's a whole other, whole other argument. But basically, they have the rights of the players. They don't own the players' re- registration. But to, to make a practical example, um, let's say I'm uh, I'm Aston Villa. I have uh, a young midfielder named Barry Bannon. Um, 
I think he might become very good in a couple of years, but I also kind of need the money now, but I'm not sure. So I go and I sell, um, say, 50% of the rights to Barry Bannon to third-party owner Patty Barkley over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Patty Barkley gives me £2 million, which I can spend right now. And then uh, in a couple of years, I sell Barry Bannon to Manchester United for $10 million. I get another $5 million, and Patty pockets $5 million, the other half. Uh, that's pretty much the way it works. Now, you may be familiar f- with this from, of course, the most famous case in England is the Tevis Mascherano um, affair a few years back. Uh, as a result of that affair, third-party ownership is now illegal in in England and I believe in Scotland as well, although it's not illegal anywhere else in the world. What is illegal from FIFA's perspective is third-party influence, uh, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Um a bit of an emotional issue. Paddy, do you want to kick yes, us off I'd, since you just bought half of Barry Bannon? I'd love um, to. <laughs> it doesn't really add up to very much. I mean, the whole of Barry Bannon, uh, you could sort of balance on your palm of your hand. But a very good little player, a good example. Um, basically, my attitude towards this is that FIFA needs to approach it with saturation bombing, followed by a plague. Um, followed by a flood. It is the worst, most pernicious idea, and my goodness, that's saying something, to come into football for many, many years. Um, it's, it will, uh, far from being, like, like so many things that are dressed up as an economy for clubs, in fact, it will cost them a fortune and put them out of business. It also is deeply... Right. How does it put a club it's out of deeply, business? It's deeply... Well, I'll, I'll explain later. But it's deep, it is also deeply immoral. Um, it, the whole point of football is that it should be run by clubs. It should be run by employers. You can't simply have hiring. You can't have, you can't have large-scale third-party ownership. And this could well lead to it. This could well lead to it. If you have large-scale uh, third-party ownership, you, you then have the, a, a serious danger of corruption. You referred earlier to the uh, the case of Tevez and Mascarano, um, which 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 was a scandal, um, and uh, all of the people, of course, involved in that were were beyond reproach. But let's suppose you have a third party uh, ownership scheme with players. We all remember the final game of that season when Tevez scored the, the goal that kept West Ham United in the league. Let's Let's suppose the third-party ownership company, of which I'm, you've kindly made me a member, um, uh, owned more players at Manchester United or more players at Sheffield United on that day than at West Ham United. Would Tevez have been encouraged not to score that goal? Of course he would. This must not get any further. It's a terrible well, idea. Let me, uh, and FIFA must come down on it, as I say, with more than a ton of bricks. Well, let me put this to you then uh, what if Manchester United of course Manchester United on that day had nothing left to play for mm-hmm. um, but what if United were locked in a um, in a battle for the Premier League title and yes. Tevez as, as often happens of course transfers get done early yes. knew he was joining Manchester United next season Yes, you don't have a problem with that well, I mean, there's a, there's a limit to the number of uh, safeguards you can make, of course. But let's f- let's not add. 
at a time when we're desperately worried about corruption. Let's not add to it for no more reason. Let me put it this way as well. You talk about it, it'll be good for clubs. How can it be? It's simply, you can't cut a cake a hundred different ways and make it bigger. It, it, the cake remains the same size. And if this third-party ownership is to be profitable, it can only be profitable at the expense of the clubs. The clubs such as Crew Alexandra, such as Manchester United, such as Barcelona, who thrive by youth development, can only lose from this. Because these companies will sweep up these people, as there already is happening in South America. For goodness sake, I can't believe that somebody's suggesting that we get this South American model of club ownership and bring it to Europe. It should be the other way round if we want to improve football. This yes, we is, have to go and civilize those South this Americans. Is, this is a quite hellish idea. Um, anybody want to stick up for third-party ownership? Matt, I expect you to. I'm not sure why, just because I occasionally have a phone call with Keir Drumshin doesn't uh, mean I approve of the way he's made his money and the money for his, his many partners. I think you've just got to look at who it benefits, and the overriding benefit is to the investors and these, um, you know, the owners that we don't know who they are. I think in introducing additional levels, we're supposed to be making football more transparent and, and clear, not we don't want. Um, more and more offshore. No, no, but all right, Matt. I'm with you. I'm with you, Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt. I'm with you 100 percent on the transparency issue, um, and, and I think this is obviously one of the big issues because one of the partners in this situation is is George Mendes, um, uh, who are certainly one of the consultants to, to to the fund, and you know he happens to be an agent to a manager and to footballers um, at the same club, no less. Um, I, I'm completely with you on that. But, 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 but of course, I mean, but, I mean you, you know, you have some level to corruption anywhere. You know, we can pass laws to make things to make things more transparent and work to enforce them. But but is, is the principle so wrong? Isn't the principle like, you know, if, if, if I have a company, you know, to 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 raise capital, I will share sell shares in that company. Isn't this the equivalent of selling non voting shares in a company? I don't think so, because you're talking about um, owning shares in an individual I mean, would you like to be owned by your very successful freelance journalist? Would you like to be owned by, um, you know, various individuals all over the world who would take a, take a slice of your, your income? Or would you like some control over your own career? Well, I don't, I don't, I'll tell you. No, 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 no. no but the logic, logical extension of this, and I don't like to use the word because it, it's completely inappropriate, but um, you get players who have no control over their career and they're not slaves because they're being paid but, very well for it but they don't have freedom in a sense that other footballers have freedom post-Bosman and why I think do the footballers hard. not have freedom though? because they don't, they don't have control of what they do Tevez, Tevez is stuck in a situation because of the ludicrous wages that, he, that he's on and the ludicrous management fee that was his owners put in his contract when he, when he signed to Manchester United but that's got nothing to do with third party ownership though <laughs> It's, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't make a lot. He doesn't make a lot of money because you know he was previously owned by a third party. He makes a lot of money because he's very good and he plays for a club who threw a lot of money at him, right? Yeah, but it's, it's, that is notional market transfer value of forty-seven million pounds is all to do with his ownership. 
structure. That that was the random figure put in a, put in a contract when he signed for Manchester United, which is why Manchester United refused to sign him. Which is why he can only sign for City, which is why he can't go anywhere else because no one else is going to pay that laughable money. Um, any, any football club would not overvalue their their one of their assets. I mean, this is just another way of siphoning more of football's money away from the game itself. When you say from the game, you mean from the players, right? No. Because this is ultimately... Because this is the other no, thing which bugs you. No, about no, money going out of the no, game, no. it's money it, to the players. It, if, you, if you want to know what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying, we are moving into a different era, an era in which uh, not all of money of the money in the game will be subject to prune-juice economics, the quotes around. And sugar. Uh, the, the, the we are moving into an era in which football will become profitable, can become profitable for clubs. My dream is instead of this rubbish, is that is that football can become uh, subject to wider ownership in the way that's already happening uh, to many many smaller clubs, and that and that a wider ownership model can move into the top level of football, right. so that large numbers of ordinary people can can for the first time ever in the history of the game make a little bit of money out of the clubs, whether they choose to plow it back or to take it and put it in right. the building. Well, you know, Paddy. I- Tottenham Hotspur listed on the stock exchange what in 1987 Manchester United followed you know a lot of football clubs are listed a lot of football clubs can a lot of people you know you can do it through the stock market they were able to do it back then uh-huh. and there are you know when we've had we've had our friend Dave Boyle on the former chief executive of Supporters Direct <laughs> yeah. um, you know there, there are long, there, there are well Supporters Direct thankfully <laughs> is still around and in fact we just talked about Swansea Supporters you know? so Direct is, a, is an organization which I think is it could be very beneficial right. to football so they, but we're not talking about ownership models of football clubs. I want to bring the discussion uh, back well, to third-party ownership. No, but the whole point is that, that what we should be doing and what FIFA should be doing, what the FA and, and, and to, to its enormous credit the FA and in particular our current government is actually doing, is guiding us towards these okay. constructive ownership this models a discussion and, for away, day about and away from the kind of spivery that is being suggested oh, oh. in terms of this scheme. Hey, Julian, can you help me out here? Yeah, I, I, just, how I, just, just, I just want to give an example because we talked about Tevez and Mascherano, obviously. Uh, Gonzo, the, the, the Brazilian prodigy from Sao Paulo, yes. the playmaker, he's, he's in that case as well. So is Pastore. Yeah. Or was Pastore. But, but Gonzo, PSG looked at signing Gonzo before Pastore. I think he was, it was Leonardo's priority first. They looked at it and it was so complicated. It was, it was just a nightmare for them if they had wanted to sign him you know and, and they had the money because now they, 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 right. they can buy anyone so it was not about that it was about the structure of the deal because of that third ownership and in the end Gonzo didn't sign for PSG and maybe you know he, will, he might struggle in his career to sign for a big European club because of the way people things are structured around him and that's why I think he's wrong for the players and, and for the game okay I'm going to put the case forward though for, for a lot of the reason why this exists it's not like clubs in South America and, and uh, you know are, are just you know lawless or, or, or stupid and they're so far behind us. What, what happens a lot in, in those countries is you have a very small club um, who, has, who, who will have a player, you know, one or more gifted players, and they're in a difficult situation because, you know, let's say um, 
let's go back to Barry Bannon here you know let's say I'm Atletico Rafaela in Argentina and I have a young uh, midfielder named Barry Bannon and he's 16 years old and I'm quite excited about him Boca Juniors come and says I want Barry Bannon I'm going to go talk to his dad I'm going to talk to his mom I want him now right and and I guess what and I will pay you a thousand pounds for him and you know he's worth more than that. And you know in a year or two he could be worth a lot more than that. But the reality is you've got a crumbling stadium. You've got to meet your wage bill. What do you do? And so then third-party owner Pat Barkley, or Patricio Barkley in this case, <laughs> comes along and says, you know what? You know, let me help you out. I will give you you know, half a million right now, which is closer to what he might be worth. I will assume some of the risk that he turns out to be rubbish. And then... If you sell them in a couple of years' time, and you will sell them because you're a small selling club, then we're going to split the profits, right? So then, from the when the system works the way it should, and I, I'm, I'll be the first to say it sometimes doesn't. Atletico Rafaela gets the half a million. They can meet their wage bill. They can restructure their stadium. They hang on to the guy. Two years from now. He turns out to be, if he, if he turns out uh, to, to be very good and they sell him for a lot of money, they split the cash. If he turns out to be rubbish, they don't. But hey, in the meantime, they spread the risk. They, 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 they took, you know, that, that half a million for a share in the player. I, I mean, I don't understand why, why this is, you know, in principle, something so negative. We can all come up with examples where people cheat and steal and overcomplicate. Mm. But I mean, is well, if if it's I mean, in this nightmare world that you outline, uh, in future people like uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, people who people who are very good at identifying talent, will no longer work for clubs, but will work for these massive companies. The the whole thing, the game is spivvy enough without this, and I I honestly don't know why you're giving it house room. Well, because <laughs> Matt Dickinson wrote about it, and the fund is starting up. And you know, if if we all sit there and all repeat the same things, then it's not much of a debate. Well, I think well, it was a good debate. Peter Kenyon and Kia Juraption, and you know, and Matt Dickinson Mendes. all disagree with you. George Mendes does too, and they're oh, all well. very handsome. Oh, in that case, George is rich. In that case, it must be a good idea. <laughs> Right, well, here's a, a debate in a shorter form. Um, how about some quick hits? Or as Chris, the producer, likes to call it, off the fence. And by the way, I renew my invitation. Please come up with a better name, because otherwise this may lead to divorce between myself and Chris, the producer. Manchester United get a point at the Britannia, but Stoke make life very difficult. Without ruining with Chicharito getting hurt in the opening minutes, Sir Alex went with Berbatov and Owen, and neither was impressive. In fact, as somebody put it, Owen couldn't finish a sentence. Uh, Paddy, can United rely on those two this season, or should Sir Alex look elsewhere in his squad. Uh, I, I must admit, I think that uh, Alex, uh, Sir Alex, um, has uh, got too many strikers this season. He he talked uh, pre-season about, oh, there's absolutely no problem in having seven or eight strikers, because don't forget, we've also got Welbeck, Chicharito, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think he's got too many, uh, and I think unless Berbatov plays regularly, he's not worth having. Demba Ba scores a hat-trick as Newcastle pummel Blackburn 3-1 to hang on to fourth place and, say it softly, a Champions League spot. Uh, Matt, it's not going to last, is it? But since so many people are critical of Alan Pardew, will you say something nice about him? And also maybe something nice about Mike Ashley, or is that asking too much? Well, that is asking an awful lot. And I don't think even if Newcastle finished fourth in the league, many of the fans would say anything nice about Mike Ashley. But uh, Pardew's done a great job, hasn't he? They've sold a, a lot of big-name players, but he seems to have fostered a, a team spirit there. And in Bar, they've, they've, they've seems to have found a player. There you go. Team, and yet nobody likes Alan Pardew. 
Robin Van Persie notches his 100th goal as Arsenal defeat Bolton, uh, who have a man sent off early in the second half. Julian, is this evidence that everything is now fine at the Emirates? Not at all, not at all. It was uh, one of the most pathetic first half I've ever seen at Arsenal. There's, I mean, great achievement for Robin Van Persie, well done to him, but that team's got no team spirit, there's, there's no communication, they, they can't play together, there's... I, I, I'm really pessimistic, unfortunately, f- for my lovely uh, Arsenal team, but I, I can't see that team going anywhere. I'm sorry. Your hatred of all things French is disconcerting. <laughs> Gab, one for you. Bayern Munich lost to Borussia Mönchengladbach on the first day of the season and haven't conceded since. That's 838 minutes by my calculation. And in that time frame, they've scored 28 goals, almost Barcelona rapidity. Can they keep it up? In fact, well, no, Patty. It is. It is a, a very, very impressive, uh, impressive clip. Um, they've looked very good. Uh, they're not as dependent on the wingers as they were uh, under under Louis Van Gaal. Um, the, uh, the, the certainly Ribery's had a great start of the season. Robin's been injured, but he's come back. And it's going to be a huge game, I think, uh, uh, against uh, uh, City this week. Probably the the pick of the bunch. Um, but I think the uh, uh, defensively, that's really amazing. It's not all down to Manuel Neuer because uh, you look at it in terms of the individuals at the back. They still are what they are. I don't think they're that good. Bad Stuber, Van Boyten, when you know, Luis Gustavo plays back there. But, uh, Jerome Boateng, of course. Um, but together, it, it seems to work thus far. Anyway, thanks for joining us this week. You can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, your web chats. Patty's web chat is on Mondays. Mine's on Tuesdays. You can also follow us on Twitter. Chris, the producer, is uh, waving at me. That can only mean one thing. We'll catch you all next week. Till then, au revoir.